Welcome to The Porch. I'm Lindsay Bacardo, keynote speaker and virtual presenter for organizations who want to build strong, multi-generational teams. I believe that the modern day leader has a moral obligation to grow personally and lead others from a grounded and healthy and healed place. You're going to hear me bring on psychologists, neuroscience experts, storytellers, emotional intelligence researchers, really anything that helps a leader grow personally and ultimately impact the culture of their organization. This is where I bring my favorite thought leaders on these topics to teach and mentor us through our own growth. I'm so glad you're here and welcome to The Porch. Okay, I gotta tell you all about Anne because this, I'm so excited that I got her to come on this call. Let me, when I first met her, I was at an ICF, an International Coach Federation training, and she was one of the keynoters. And if you know, I do keynoting, and so usually when there's other speakers, it's, you know, it's interesting to me, and um, I wanna see how they do what they do. I wanna see if they're really passionate about what they're talking about. I want to kind of know who they, you know, it's, a, it's an interest for me. It ends up there, and within like five minutes, I'm like, who the hell is this? Like, because she doesn't just know a lot about neuroscience. Okay, you gotta get down. She also is an artist and creative, and so it's like, she's not like a nerd where you're like, okay, can you put that cookie on a lower shelf? She really understands creativity and beauty and poetry, which we know actually affects our nervous system immensely. And so, that day, I basically stalked her and went to her book table and was like, how am I going to get in this person's world? Hmm. Hmm. So I bought her book, kind of followed her. She came back to Indianapolis from New Mexico uh, for a training. And, and I was like the first student in the room. Like, she's like, and here's Anne. I'm like, hello, I'm totally cool. I can be normal. I saw you sit in a chair still. I don't know. <laughs> and so that was like two years ago now. And she's been coaching me. And it's made such a huge difference because she really does understand how to be human using science and, and really has helped me understand different stories from my life, how to see myself, how to see what I'm going through, how to really nurture myself through very difficult circumstances. She's been with me through major life transitions and I just feel so honored that she's wanted to take some time with us tonight and help all of us understand why our brains are not built for this shit. And we had a very lively conversation about it a few weeks ago and I just thought, man, if I could get her in front of everybody I know, everyone I care about, they would benefit so immensely. So, Anne, thank you so much for being here. Author, speaker, poet, cat lover, all of the above. She has so much to offer. We're going to cram it as much as we can. So thank you so much for being here, Anne. Oh, yeah. I a lot. Lindsay, that's like just the best introduction ever. I love that. <laughs> that's just what I love about you is you are so abundantly smart and real and it's just awesome. And the only place that we clash at all is your dogs and I'm cats. But I know. We, we, I know. we find a way. So I make it work, you know? Exactly. So I, the other thing sort of about being real is I just love the title that sort of emerged between us of this webinar is that we are actually not designed for this shit. And so, you know, I think one of the things to me about neuroscience and the brain is that I always, I like to say we were given this really complex system and, you know, when I think about the brain and, and everything. I think about the whole system because we're, every part of us is playing a role in that. Mm. And, you know, it's sort of like being given a brand new tech piece of tech and no user's manual. And it's not even as friendly as, you know, windows, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. It's not even as user right. friendly. So there's some basic stuff that even in the best of times, we're not even sure why always, why are we responding the way we're responding? And then in this time, you know, I wrote down some of the words that people said, tired, maintaining, frustrated, mm -hmm. um, losing creativity, scattered, all of that. You know, and as you say that, I think absolutely you are having a neurotypical response to an atypical situation, mm -hmm. for sure. That's and Denise is saying, like, what day is it? Exactly. Do you have your day of the week underwear on? Because that would be really <laughs> That's the only way to know. <laughs> exactly. Right. So what are some exactly. other things that you notice? I know as a coach, I'm, like, watching how people behave. But I'm curious, from a neuroscience perspective, too, what are some things that you're noticing about the public's response, about 
how people are behaving, either when you're out of the grocery or what you're seeing through media. What are some things you're noticing? And you're like, oh, that's definitely your nervous system is overshot right now. Yeah, I think kind of the, um, uh, you know, sort of the, either they get tripped into kind of um, indulging in the generalized fear. Mm-hmm. And that might manifest as, like over overcompensating. And so for example, I saw a woman in Santa Fe is not super crowded. And I saw a woman walking down the street. There's no one around anywhere with a huge mask on. And I'm just sort of like, okay, well, it's great that you're protecting yourself, but from what, you know, yeah. now, maybe I'm, there's just something I'm not aware of and we all should be doing that all the time. Or, you know, uh, the classic joke of like how many rolls of toilet paper, because they've gotten tipped into this, oh my God, kind of not even thinking rationally, but just freaking out mm-hmm. nervous system state. I think that can happen on the one side. And then I think on the other side, you know, it's over or undercompensating where it's kind of like, I can't even face this. So I'm going to decide it's a conspiracy or, yeah. you know, I'm young and healthy, so it won't affect me. So I'm going to go to spring break. So it's either the kind of hide your head in the sand la 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 or freak out about every little thing mm-hmm. and neither both of them are probably a reaction to an overload of stress stress chemicals in the brain is what i would you know the the top line assessment to that sure what do you notice about people when they they have literally too many stress hormones in their brain what kind of behaviors i know you say under and over Right. What else do you see? What what could somebody maybe notice in themselves, even if they're by themselves? Yeah, I can. I even want to wind back a little bit, so sure. sort of, I can into like, well, why is this so stressful, right? Because you mm-hmm. could, you know, on the one hand, say, well, I'm home, I'm in my yoga pants, and you know, maybe you have a job, maybe you don't, but why is it? And I I want to. So there's a there's a few things. So one is it may be stressful because your personal circumstances have really, really changed and you got laid off or you, you know, or someone in your family does, or it's super stressful because all of a sudden you're trying to do your job and you have three smaller beings in the house who are all trying to do their job and (laughs) Wi-Fi is overloaded and uh, you know, nobody can focus on anything. So there's lots of reasons, financial, personal, emotional, why this may be stressful. The other thing is that I think is a big piece that fits with this. And then I'll talk about the impact of the stress is that it's a, it's a really big one is that we don't know what to predict and our brains are, they have a prime directive and the prime directive of the brain is keep us safe. And if you sort of think sort of roughly about something Maslow's hierarchy, which I know Lindsay knows. And it's just this idea that, that somewhat to some degree, we try to meet basic needs first Mm -hmm. and then we can, you know, look at things like meaning and, you know, comfort, but we do, you know, do we have food and shelter? And that's kind of how we're, how we're working. Right. Well, the brain, you know, the most basic need of the brain is keep us alive and keep energy available to keep us alive. And so that's, always going a little bit ahead of itself to try to see like what like what's going to happen here right yeah. so that so that i can anticipate and and um have enough energy to use it's it's a little bit i was thinking of this analogy so here's my analogy because if you don't know what to predict what your brain says is we had better predict the worst so mm-hmm. here's my here's my example of that so imagine everybody if you're renting an apartment um, and your landlord uh, says one month says, uh, okay, so this month pay me $200. And the next month she comes along and she says, it's $800 this month. And then the next month it's 50 and then it's 1100. And you're just like, well, first of all, you probably would never rent from a landlord like that. <laughs> but if you were smart, what you would do is you would always set aside 1100 mm-hmm. just in case. Um, now, most of us would probably not manage our money that way, but that, but our brain is smarter. And so what it's going to do is say, I, if I don't know what to predict, I'd better predict worst case. Mm-hmm. I better be ready 
for anything for what could I, I need the 85 rolls of toilet paper. Totally. Totally. So and that's so just I, human. That's not like a character flaw. That's neurotypical to say, I'm going to expect the worst then so that I make, so I live. Right. Yeah. It's your brain doing its job. And so it's, you know, if we have this kind of bucket of energy and literally one of the neuroscientists that I follow, her name is Lisa Feldman Barrett. She calls it our body budget. So I have kind of this bucket of available energy and it literally in your body is your adrenal glands. Yeah. So that's my bucket of available energy. And I'm going to kind of, you know, keep, keep as much like on alert as possible and be ready for anything. And so that's why you're tired. Mm -hmm. You're using energy just to, just to kind of be ready. And it's also why it's hard to sleep because you know, you're tired, but also you've got probably more adrenaline running through your system than usual to kind of keep you ready. Lindsay, does this make sense? It totally makes sense. I'm, I'm thinking about um, how comforting it is. I feel comforted when you talk about this because <laughs> the worst thing I can do and the worst thing we all can do is be like, I'm not sleeping. Oh, oh no, I'm not sleeping. Oh no, now what does that mean? And it, we just stack our stress and now it has to mean something else. But what if we just made the meaning, you are in a human body. It has certain ways that it responds. This is a very unique situation. This is how every neurotypical body would respond to yeah. a, a stimulus that's changing every day. I was, I was thinking about this morning and I was like, how often are we dealing with basically a tragedy where every day you wake up and you're wincing because it gets worse. It's not like the shock of a one time, like, oh my gosh, we had this fire in our city or we had, you know, Indianapolis, like six years ago now, we had a really bad accident at our state fair and people lost their lives. And that was like a trauma in the, in Indianapolis. It was something a lot of people had to process, but this is like today, tomorrow, the next day you're going on Facebook, you're wincing because who else has COVID that I know? Right. And am I getting closer to getting it? I mean, what is we were talking on the phone and you're like, there's like, it's like a bad car accident. There's like 10 factors that make this so uniquely stressful. And we had talked a little bit about that piece of every day. There's not relief. Right. Whereas like you were talking about your dog that was born in a hurricane and you know, there's a place that you're, you're anticipating it and then it happens. And then now it's time to rebuild and we're not in the, and we're, you know, we're good at that. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, now it's time for the rebuild, but we're not able to rebuild yet. We're still watching it. And then we're getting even little stuff that you're like, okay, there's a work, you know, like New Mexico closing the liquor stores. And you're yeah. <laughs> literally was on a zoom call last night with friends of mine who are not alcoholics, by the way. And I said that because it had just come through and they live here. And the woman, the what my one friend is like, hold on a minute, Marco may just close the liquor. You know, she had to go find her husband. <laughs> No, but it's all part of this instability, uncertainty, like, you know, when do we just, when does the ground settle? Um, yeah. I want to talk a little bit about the impact on the brain um, in terms of this, because what is happening is we're flooding ourselves. We're getting ready for this kind of worst case. And when we're in worst case, and probably many of you are familiar with the idea of fight, flight, freeze, um, that response which is a very narrowed response of the brain. The brain is narrowing down. It's getting rid of that which it doesn't need to pay attention to so that it can keep you alive. And that's the, you know, you literally, if you are literally in a fight, flight, freeze situation where it's like maybe a, you know, a, a really dangerous situation of something, like you run into a bear, right? Or yeah. something like that, all the bears in Indiana. Um, but literally what will happen is you will lose ability to hear as well. It'll kind of go to it. If you ever have had a really bad fight, flight, freeze mm -hmm. response, you don't hear it and it's, and your vision narrows. Yep. Um, all the systems of your body that are considered non-essential. That's interesting. Speaking of non-essential, they shut down so that you can survive. That's sort of, I hadn't thought of that. I mean, that's what we're doing yeah. publicly is we're shutting down the systems that are non-essential, but you can't maintain that because a lot of those systems that are not essential for immediate survival are essential for long-term survival. Mm -hmm. Like your immune system takes a lot of energy and that's one of the things in fight, flight, freeze, some of the chemical 
uh, things that happen is it's designed to shut down that very energy draining thing, your immune system, your digestive system. So, um, but you need those long term. So you've got to come back to a place of, of centeredness again. Um, so the impact that this has when we get into that place is that we don't think as clearly. We're mm. thinking short-term solutions. We're not looking at, um, you know, the uh, sort of the best, most sophisticated uh, answer. We're going to just, you know, what, what's right in front of us because we've got narrowed vision. Yeah. But we lose empathy. Ooh, shoot. I know. That's we so lose control. Right. Yeah. Oh, God. So, yeah. uh, what else? Let's see. Long-term planning, abstract thinking, all of those things Short-term are memories factors. in there. What's right? that? Short-term memories in there. Too. Short-term memory. Sure. You lose, you lose some, it impacts memory. Mm-hmm. So it, if you're having difficulty with your memory right now or losing words or, you know, wandering around, you don't know why you went into the living room. Other than that, it was just a different room and, <laughs> <laughs> Um, but that's very typical too, because memory gets disrupted and the way that we make memories get disrupted. So there's lots and lots of impact on really high level functioning when it's this part of the brain, it's the prefrontal cortex gets flooded with stress chemicals that are just trying to kind of help us get through. So not a, not a good place for relationships or smart business decisions or anything like that, but very, very typical. So if you're losing empathy right now, you know, that is a, it's sort of like your brain is going, yeah, we don't have time for that right now. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And even giving yourself the freedom to, I was talking about this with my therapist the other day. She's like, don't feel like you have to make any huge life changing decisions right now. Give yourself right. some space because well, that could be business, that could be financial, that could be anything. But if you have the freedom to not have to like pull the trigger on a situation, give yourself a little breathing room because you're not actually accessing all of your brain. This is the time to just control. We can control, create a calm environment for ourselves, not introduce new ideas and new stimulus. So I want to, I want to ask you about this, Anne, because this yeah. comes up a lot. Um, high achievers, which if you're on a a zoom call tonight instead of being outside your eye right yeah exactly high achievers are starting to beat themselves up because they're like ah i'm supposed to maximize my time at home i'm supposed to make this is like what if this is the moment that i missed because i was supposed to write a book or or redo my entire kitchen Right. I think Gwyneth Paltrow, you know, said something like you should, you know, you could learn a language or write a book. And there's been this meme going around about uh, Sir Isaac Newton, you know, when he was quarantined, he developed the, you know, he understood, developed his understanding of gravity or some shit like that. And it's sort of like, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you discovering gravity? And, you know, (laughs) yeah, Chelsea's going to redo her whole kitchen. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, and it's, it's also, I've, the place that I first saw this crop up was with kids where people were saying, look, we're in the middle of a global pandemic. If your kid doesn't do all their science homework, it's okay. Mm -hmm. Right? Like this is not, you know, and they have stresses and we feel Mm -hmm. the stresses from each other. We physiologically feel them. And then, you know, and I think about Lindsay, the perfect storm of all of this and I want to talk about the opportunity and what we can do about it. Yeah. As well. The perfect storm is that our number one way to regulate our nervous system. So if you think about if you have, you know, if I think about if I get like an email that I don't like or, you know, lose a client or something that is really upsetting that I wasn't planning on that feels really, the first thing I do is I reach out to my best friend. Mm, first thing, and I, you know, it's like, yeah. She's not there. It's like, wait, what? Because we socially regulate with each other and even more so in person than virtually. And think about, you know, think about teenagers and young adults and how much they're socially regulating with physical proximity, right? And exactly, it's just, 
if you can find somebody whose nervous system is a little bit more stable than yours, it will help yours become more stable. And so, you know, and you go to your friend and be like, so-and-so broke up with me. I need a hug. Well, you're just trying to regulate your system. Mm-hmm. And so we have to get super creative because the truth of the matter is we can do it to some degree virtually on the phone and on Zoom, but we have to be more intentional about it because number one, it is not as good. It is not as powerful yep. as it's in person. Yep. And number two, we don't have just the day-to-day social, you know, like when the barista smiles at you or, you know, says, yeah. hey, you know, that's a pretty necklace. That boosts my, yeah. that actually helps reset my nervous system, yep. right? That's so, so true. Maybe, you know, or you pet somebody's dog. You know, we're not even allowed to like pet somebody else's dog right now. So yeah, it's, that's so true. Yeah. You bring up, oh, go ahead. No, keep going. And then I had a couple, there was a couple of interesting questions that I think would be good to talk about, but go ahead. Well, you bring up this idea of connection. And I know I was, even this morning, I, you know, mornings are tough sometimes because I'm used to a certain like rigmarole, a certain pattern. It's not happening. And so Sam and I, she's on my team. We talk every morning at 930. So we're not like, let's get up at six and beat the sun. I'm like, sleep in. Okay. Let that melatonin wear off, Picardo. Get a little (laughs) tea in your system. Yeah. Even this morning, Sam doesn't know this, but after I got off, I was like, oh, I'm going to be okay. Yeah. Okay. You know, and it just is that you just need to like see each other, hear from each other. Connection. I really think we will treasure connection and see it differently after this because I think about like when I think about I went through recovery when I went through a divorce and the main thing that recovery does is helps you kind of like find your footing in yourself again and it's about connecting you back to yourself connecting you to other people and then connecting you to a higher power spiritual meaning whatever that means and I think that's so interesting that the the opposite of um, real suffering, or for me, it was more of a traumatic, just difficult situation was reconnect, reconnect the dots. Cause so many things in life kind of break us and um, you know, break us apart and break apart our emotions from our thoughts and our bodies, from our emotions and our relationships with each other. And we get kind of scattered and fractured. And now, like you said, it's about connecting and that really does help regulate and we were talking about the statistic before everybody came on, but here in Indianapolis, we have a two-on-one line, and that's really for mental health emergency type things. They're used to handling about 1,000 calls a day, and that right now they're getting 25,000 calls a day. Except 28%. I mean, literally, 20, it's, that's like, yeah, I can't even do like how many, that's like. I can't even do the math app. on that. It's a really freaking lot. Yeah, well, I, so 1,000 to 25,000. It's a, you know, when you think about loneliness and somebody talked about loneliness and I have a, I, got, I found this definition, which loneliness is the discrepancy between your desired amount of connection and your actual amount, which I think is kind of helpful for any of the more introverts where you may be saying, you know, no, I, you know, it doesn't mean just because you're alone, you're lonely, which, which is sort of like the big duh, but I like that definition. And what we know about loneliness is that in every factor of physical and mental health, it negatively impacts it. Yes. It negatively impacts every system of your body, your immune system, your heart, your gut. It negatively, it, it, it's, there's a higher mortality with loneliness and it's extraordinary. The, and then when you look at the antidote, it's connection. And connection improves every measure of physical and mental health. And so when you think about, you know, it may feel sort of complex in this time to figure out how we get that connection. It's also the, it is the very, very simple answer. We, we, we are tribal by nature. So how do we keep connected with our tribe? You know, and I think that a lot of people are figuring this out and they're doing Zoom happy hours and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. that really help. I think the other thing about the addiction and mental health hotline is a lot of people are, um, you know, may not, I was thinking, so I was thinking about, you know, I'm a coach and I've been in the personal development world for about 20 years. I've got lots of tools and lots of people. And I have people that I can go talk to 
if I want to say, I like, I just need you to hear me right now. I'm feeling, you know, stressed and upset mm-hmm. that where they won't make it worse and they won't yeah. do what I say. Oh my gosh. Yep. Right. And I was thinking, wow. I mean, this was sort of a big sort of stupid aha, but I thought, what would it be like to be going through this right now with nobody around me that I could just say, and they could just have space for it. Right. Not a lot of people are trained. I remember when I went through coaching school, I was like, uh, why was I never trained how to listen Yeah, or ask questions or hold space for people? That should be like an elementary, middle school, you know, instead of sewing pillows, let's talk about how to, whatever, you know, actually listen and care for each other. And I, even when I talk, you know, depending on who I'm talking to from my family too, I'm like, I'm used to camaraderie, connection, listening. And you can even see that people that you love the most that are closest to you may not be able to hold space for you right now. And they may not be the people to turn to, although we may still check on them. I know I'm creating that like new COVID, like inner circle. Who do I really, really go to? And one of, one of the people that I go to is my therapist. It's like, Hey, yeah, you're trained to do this. I'll pay you to do this. Just like, <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. And I think there, mm-hmm. to me, there's this funny um, paradox So I want to talk a little bit about the paradox, and this has to do with the science of how do you manage, I mean, I think the big, big question now is how do we manage stress? Are stresses, you know, heightened because it's incredibly unpredictable and there's lots of things that are requiring way more attention or that we don't know how to manage or if we can manage. So stress is is the thing. So one of the worst things you can do for stress is suppress because that will actually increase your overall physiological feeling of stress. And one of the best things we can do is express up to a degree. So I want to talk about the little bit of the paradox there, because I think part of just in order to get through the day, um, people are probably, there's a lot of suppression. So then the end of the day comes and I've been a good soldier all day, just kind of trying to deal with it you know, maybe don't, you know, I don't want to upset my kids or I don't want to upset my, my partners having a worse time than I am, et cetera, et cetera. So end of the day, what am I going to do to try to kind of get some of my own anxiety or frustration or whatever it is feeling manageable, you know, drink, smoke, whatever we've got. And I think that's part of the addiction, you know, peaking is it's a self-medic, I mean, this is sort of obvious, but we're just in a higher need for self-medication. That makes right? sense. That makes perfect sense. That's so, why I'm eating a chocolate bar a day. That makes total yeah. sense. <laughs> well, we're looking, for the, we're looking for the chemicals that we often get from each other or that we get from meaningful mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. So we're looking for the dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, this bonding, yummy chemical, things like that. So I think that's part of, you know, if I can't get that from where else can I get it? Can I get that through food? Can I get it through alcohol? You know, what else is possible there? Um, So one of the things that we know does actually really help is being able to say how you feel and being heard with compassion. Mm -hmm. It's that simple. And so if you are a counselor, or if you are the counselor of your family, well, hopefully you can <laughs> get your own needs met as well and don't put yes. your own aside, it's not a good thing. Um, but it's, it's this place of saying, you do not have, I mean, you know this already, I'm gonna say it again, you don't have to fix anything. Mm-hmm. You do not have to fix a damn thing. You listen with compassion, I promise you, you will help their stress level go down. It may not go down to zero, it might only go down by 5%, but we don't have to fix it. We can't. But listening with compassion is extraordinarily powerful. Yes. Yep. And what could that, and for people that are wondering what that actually sounds like, because I know as coaches, there's times where You know, I don't have to feel a ton of empathy and compassion to say that would be really hard. I can totally see why you're frustrated. That's tough. That sounds about a structure of how people could could just have a simple framework when they're when they are getting kind of dump trucked on. Yeah, I think it's the it's a simple statement of compassion, and there's been some wonderful research in the medical field. Um, and I'm reading a really good book right now. It's called Compassionomics, like economics. Compassion. Yeah, I saw that. 
Yeah, it's super good. Um, and this is where you get a lot of the research in the medical field of saying things like, like they have found um, increased health benefits if a physician says to a cancer patient, you know what, um, it's really difficult what you're facing, but I'm going to be with you the whole way through and we're going to get through this somehow. So if you say, you know, like you were talking about Sam and, you know, the experience of saying like, oh my God, I'm not in this alone. And so depending on your role, even just saying to someone that does sound really tough, I want you to know I'm here to listen anytime. And I, you know, somehow we're going to get through this together. Now, maybe you're not in a regular role. Obviously this is contextual, Yeah. but if you are, if it's a friend, if it is a, you know, someone that you are counseling like that, being able to say to them, yep, this is tough. I am here and I'm here to listen and I'm going to help you get through it. Um, but I think part of people were talking a little bit about being really exhausted, even though they're getting enough sleep. And that is some of my experience as well. Yeah. Um, I think part of it is that we have to be really, really on it about letting this energy move through us, mm-hmm. getting, you know, speaking about it, checking in with ourselves, especially those of us who are high achievers or who are, you know, maybe you've done a lot of work already and you're pretty good. It's look in your crevices and look in, look in the little cracks and ask yourself and journal, how am I really? Yeah. You know, I, I had this feeling the other morning, I just like got in touch with how freaking unfair it was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I had my whole freaking year planned. Yeah. Like I had it all set up and then, you know, nothing that I had, I was supposed to go to China, you know, nothing that I had happen, happened. And, and, you know, and I'm trying to be, I, my role is be compassionate and be, you know, graceful and, you know, be understanding and, oh my God, everybody else has it worse. And I just let myself be angry. Mm-hmm. and go into the unfair and there's nobody to blame nobody but it's just generally unfair yeah and that was sort of lingering in the cracks and crevices and i think there's something about that with the energy i want to say one other thing about the tiredness you are probably processing stress in ways you're not even aware of so just take some naps you know you had said that on your social media i did <laughs> i did a nap on my checklist every day cuz i get to check it off but really just that's it's it's not it's just your body your system is so worn out from and you may not notice it you may not be feeling anxiety but you know it's having this low level impact anyway and i i think for some people you can take this if it fits for you who really identify as strongly empathic you may be you may be also just feeling a lot from the world from the people around you you may be holding more um than you even know and yes. so i think i think that can also be a reason somebody put in a 10 minute meditation before sleep you know doing that this is a time where self care is kind of a cliche but i think man anything you got Anything you got in your thing with self-care, Epsom salts, baths, naps, meditation, you know, bring out the big guns of self-care because your system is being buffeted in ways you're not even letting. I don't even think we're letting ourselves be fully aware with how smacked we're getting by all of this. That's a good way to say it. I'm writing that quote down. Bring out the big guns. Big guns of self-care, you know. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Oh, what were you going to say? No, no, I was just like nap and bath and, you know, walk and all of it um, because that, that may help you kind of just get back to, to maintenance level. Yeah. I just, there's a lot going on in the chat and I'm wondering if there's stuff that we should be talking about that we're missing. Yeah. Sam, can you give us yeah. some ideas of what people are saying? Yeah, we've got some great questions. Um, people are just talking about how we're just all feeling so exhausted. So yeah. you touched on that. Um, a little bit. And so people would say, I feel like extremely exhausted, even just doing one or two things. So do you have some other suggestions? I know we talked about compassion. I'm just like, that's just going to be life for a little while. But do you have any other suggestions for if we are trying to get stuff done and we are exhausted and we're trying to move through? Yeah. Um, I do. And I also saw this piece that somebody said, Meredith is saying like, how do you, like, how are you processing stress without knowing it? So let me go there first. And then I have a couple of other things that do that are scientifically validated to reduce stress. 
So this thing about, you know, well, what if I sort of feel fine, but am exhausted or I feel fine? The other thing that ends up happening when we're flooded with these stress chemicals is it can be really hard to focus. So this sort of goes back to this, I should be learning a language or writing a book, but every time I sit down to do it, I just can't because you need a lot of energy to do that and your energy is being used by something else. So I think Meredith, it, it goes back to that there's like, it's kind of like if you have a lot of apps open on your phone, I mean, I'm an idiot with my phone and luckily I have a 23 year old son who can school me on this stuff, you know, and he was like, I'm like, why is my battery running out? I don't understand why my battery's running out. And he like picks up my phone and he starts swiping my apps off and there's like 50 apps open because I never <laughs> close them. Well, I think we're kind of running like that. We're like phones with a lot of apps open and we don't realize that they're draining us, you know, sort of below the surface. Below the surface. That's a great way to say that. Right. And your battery's running. That's actually a really good analogy. I just thought of that, but your battery is running down way quicker than usual because you've got the app open without even thinking about it, wondering, am I going to have enough? Like, what if this goes on for six months? Am I going to go broke? That app's running. Even if you're not consciously thinking about it, part of your brain is. Mm-hmm. right? Or whatever it is for you. Or will my kids be stupid and never get into college because I'm a terrible homeschool mom or dad, right? That app's open and, <laughs> and running. Like, what are the other apps that are open, Lindsay? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, I think, <laughs> are my pants going to fit at the end of this? <laughs> Am I going to gain COVID-19? Right? Am I going for the COVID-19? Right. Totally. It, it's, it is. We all have like, when will life go back to normal? What will normal look like? Will they ever open the city pools again? When will they all the kids? Am I getting sick? Do I have it and not know it? What if somebody, what if my elderly parents get sick? Yes. You know, what if this person I know that is sick gets worse? Well, right? I, yeah. I was telling Sam, I, I don't know how we pull this off, but um, last night, yesterday, our internet was crashing, crashing, crashing. So we went and got a new modem and router with all the gear, the hazmat gear on. And they're like, we're probably gonna have to come to your house and fix something. We're like, well, outside, of course. And they're like, yeah, probably you might have to come in. And we're like, uh, so last night we're doing, Sam and I are doing a webinar and there is a internet guy who's like, I'm going to have to come in and reset your modem. And my stress that went through my, I watched every single thing he touched in my house. He didn't have gloves on. It was like, he didn't even acknowledge that this was happening. And I'm sure we've all had this moment where a neighbor gets a little too close. Yeah. Or like my neighbor's dog was off leash the other day and came running to me. And the same thing, you can't pet your neighbor's dog. Right. So I'm like, Oh, you're so cute. Don't touch me. Don't touch my dog. And so all of a sudden normal interactions that would be like, Hey, thanks for checking the internet. I literally took a can of Lysol and sprayed my entire couch down because he touched the couch and the windowsill. And I was like, that's dead. That's dead. You know, but all of a sudden things that should not be an even a second thought. You don't have to do, you don't have to use any energy around them. Now you're using all of this energy for things that you never had to like, like, I mean, I'm going to be a little silly, but it's very, very real. Whoever had to think about toilet paper before. And now there's a part of your, you know, energy system that's, that's wondering if you're going to get through with enough toilet paper and what to do. And, you know, and then there's also, you know, whoever's in your field. So that you're also thinking about what is the impact on, you know, if you're, I know that Lindsay has a, a large group of you that are, you know, working in colleges. And so you're, 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 you're also running attention sort of out to the people around you. So I think that's part of the draining. And so, you know, just acknowledging that it doesn't mean that you're somehow weak or not, not good enough, but that you do need more rest than usual just to go. The other thing in terms of the science on stress. So there's a sort of a, a, there's a sequence that we often use and it, it goes like this, that the first thing you can do is speak how you feel ideally to someone who can listen with compassion and just, I, I was, I did a personal growth thing, which shall remain nameless years ago, but we were trained to just say to each other, I got it. 
it, it got to be a little robotic after a while, yeah. but the intention behind it was to not say I agree or disagree, but it was actually to sort of, the intention was good. It's like, you want to, if you, if you're going to, you want to, you want somebody to be like, I hear you, but yeah. really like, I, I actually yeah. really hear you. Yeah. Yep. Must be hard. And you know, if you can do nothing more than say to somebody, tell me more. Mm -hmm. Is there more, is there more you want to share about that? And then get rid of that voice in your head that says, I should be doing something to make this better. Unless you can, unless there are, you know, you can give them 50 bucks for groceries, you yeah. know, great. If you can do something fine, but a lot of times you can't cause you don't have any more certainty than they do. So it's, it's, you know, on, on the helping end, it's letting somebody express, on the you know personal end it's expressing finding somebody where you can have that partnership of of being able to say today i'm crabby and hopeless and yeah. have somebody say i hear you and not try to fix you and not assume that that means you're that way for all time mhm mm right yep so that's number 1 the the next i'll go through this fairly quickly but the next thing you can do is change what you can yeah Change the things you can. Really ask yourself, okay, I'm can't, you know, I'm lonely. Well, what is there? Is there anything I can do? What can I do? Mm -hmm. What would be an example of something you think that somebody could do right now? Yeah, well, I mean, sort of the obvious example is if you're lonely, you know, uh, two of my two of my friends in LA called me because we see each other all the time. Mm -hmm. It's my um, it's my uh, you know two guys that are married and we hang out together a lot. Particularly one of them is here more than the other, and they're just like we're worried about you. Like let's have happy hour, and so you know that was really sweet. And it's saying you know let's let's get together on zoom and do that. And that's sort of the obvious one. Here's another one. You know, it's looking to see like I'm a small business. And so I applied for a small business loan today because that's that now I may or may not get it, but that made me, it actually made me feel more energized to say, I will see, but that can give me a little buffer. I also am partner, I'm partner in a business and I am my own small business. We both applied and that, you know, that felt good. And it, God, I got to tell you, if any of you are sole proprietors or small businesses, it was super easy. It's so it easy. It was really easy. Please go to sba.com, sba.gov, probably. Small yeah. business. What's the, I can't remember what the A stands for. Administration. 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 Yeah. And yeah. it doesn't take long. That makes sense, Anne, that you're think you're saying, you know, if there's something you can do, do it. Yeah. Make it easier for yourself. Yeah. If there's somebody that you've got a lot of attention on and that you're worried about, well, you know, set a regular date with them. Or I love your example of, I'm used to having more structure in my life. And I have heard this from other people that they have somebody, or I'm used to being in an office where I have people around me where they do like a morning and an evening check-in. Here's my goals for the day. Yep. And here's what I did today. Yep. You know, that is something you can control. Mm -hmm. So... And I also think this is a really good conversation to have if you have a coach or counselor, or if you say, here's what my issue, I want to brainstorm with you because maybe my brain is really messed up right now. Mm -hmm. Help me kind of see if there's anything else that I can do. Is there anything else that is under my control? That's so good. That's yeah. so good. Everything that you can do. I know even the simple things for me, like drink enough water. It's simple, but um, I can control that. I can yeah. control that. I can control. There's certain foods that change my mood that make it make me more anxious. Yeah. Sugar tends to make me more anxious like the next day. Dairy does. So it's kind of like, what can I do to like help myself out here? Yeah. Create as I, much stability as I can. And I have to say some of, you know, some of this, so forgive me if this sounds at all obvious, but I think about, you know, one of the things that I, that I do think we're seeing is this kind of, to some degree, this feeling that we're all in it together. And I know that like my mortgage lender has some options. Yeah. I know that I've seen things change like on my credit cards. Yep. And so one thing you can do that you can control that you will feel so much better about if you haven't done this yet, and many of you have already, but it is looking to see, 
okay, financially, can I, can I apply for a three month, you know, waiver on my mortgage? Can I uh, talk to my, uh, if you're a renter, can I talk to my landlord? What can I do with my credit cards? What can I do with my student loans? So, because even if the answer is you can't do anything, then you know. Yep. And then you have more predictability, right? Yep. So that will calm you down. If you know, you know, my landlord gave me 20% off. Great. Now I can predict that. Yep. Right. My credit cards won't do anything. You know, whatever it is, it gives you more certainty and that will calm your stress down. So yeah, there is definitely a connection with clarity and letting your stress drop. Even the simple things like making a schedule every day. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to make a schedule because not that I really feel like I have the energy to do this schedule, but at least I have clarity on like, what the hell am I doing next? Well, you know? and back, back to the person who's like, what day it is. I am at the point where the days are blended together so much. I literally have to put like scoop the cat litter on my to-do list because I can't remember if I've done it or not. And part yeah. of that mental fog. Yep. So, you know, my cat takes, um, has a medication every day that is on my to-do list. Cause I don't, it like, I don't know, every day's Tuesday. So, yep. <laughs> so I have to do that. Yeah. So the next thing you can do, so control what you can. The next thing, and this is all, what they found is that in neuroscience, these will reduce the stress hormones generally. And I love this one. It's to say what values are important to me right now. And I think about one of the questions that I've been asking my coaching clients is, how do you want to remember yourself in this time? That's right. You know, what, and it, you may not always reach that, but for me, that was a big adjustment. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a couple of weeks ago we had had to cancel. I do, I do training for coaches and it's generally up until now has been in person. Now we're doing it virtually, but I can't, I had to cancel one, two, three, four, four major engagements in different parts of the world. Yeah now and probably going to cancel one in July. And that was all in my budget. And I was like, holy mackerel, right? And really not getting any sleep and all of this and really just assuming I was going to be, you know, in the poorhouse. And this question of what, and I thought, man, I want to be remembered as, oops, sorry. It's okay. I want to be remembered as uh, generous, calm, and graceful. Yeah. Those values are really important to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was really generosity. And I thought, why? And it just popped into my head. And I thought, well, shit, I don't have any, you know, like all my money just went, you know, by the way. But it was like, no, if I can come back on this and say, man, you know, I did what I could to support people, I'm going to feel really good about that. And I got to tell you, once I clicked into that, it really, it's like the, re- I started, putting more focus on my nonprofit clients that were really struggling and saying how, you know, and there's like, I have a client that does housing and emergency services. And so we, you know, came to them to say, how can we support you in stress? Because that kind of got me out of my own head. Yeah. There. Yep. I love that. So what that, and it doesn't have to be generosity. It's like whatever values are important to you. Maybe it's loyalty, maybe it's family. Um, you know, maybe it's uh, accomplishment and then, you know, check a bunch of stuff off on your to-do list, but that does have a way of mm-hmm. diminishing the stress. Yep. Um, finding another perspective is another way, you know, finding a story about this. Mm-hmm. And I've heard that a lot too, Lindsay, where people are saying, I needed a break. And this is making me closer to people I haven't seen in a long time. It yep. doesn't mean that the other isn't true. One of my teachers says, all you need is a story you can live with. That's so true, though, because the, the reality that you talk about and that we know from coaching and, you know, how the human brain works is your brain is going to write a narrative about what's happening. You don't right. actually get it, You don't get to stop your brain from write, being a meaning making machine. Right. And you can tell it which meaning you're going to choose Yes, without bypassing your grief. So I think the other side is going like, this was meant to happen because then this and this and, you know, being like Pollyanna about it, that may not be helpful. But 
like you said, finding a narrative that makes sense to you that you can live with and sticking to it. I remind myself that all the time. I was somebody that was sprinting, traveling all the time, didn't have a ton of time for family, was feeling worn out. And there is, to be honest, a part of me that's like, wow, I haven't been home this many days in a row (laughs) in a long time. And, you know, for me, just quietly to myself, I'm like, this is, this could actually be helpful to help me kind of just understand what I'm meant to do next in the world. And that's just for me. Nobody else has to agree with it. Somebody else will be like, you idiot, your business is dying. You're a public speaker. But I have to live with my story. No one else has to. Totally. It just has to be one that that you can live with. And, you know, part of my story that I can live with is I was thinking about, you know, the push that we've had to make everything virtual and make everything automated. And, you know, and I do work in businesses that, you know, make money on that. And I started, I think one of the, one of the blessings of this time is that we're really seeing, no, we don't want that world. Yeah. Where it's all virtual all the time. We do not want to live in a totally virtual world. And the things that matter are things that actually can't be monetized. That's right. What we're craving is to hug somebody. Mm. We're craving to just sit and have dinner with somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's the deep craving, not the, you know, there's probably like, I'm tired of cooking and I'd like to go out to a restaurant and, you know, yeah. all of that. But I think the deeper craving is we're longing to just be up physical close next to somebody that we haven't been able to hug and be in the world with each other. You can't monetize that. That's right. That's so that true. That is just human. And I, if, if anything we're seeing, and maybe this generation that's going to, you know, be leading the world in a few years, that this is a, such a seminal <laughs> you know, if I think about like the teenagers and young adults, their brains are still developing. This is going to get wired in, in a way where they're going to remember, remember that time where we couldn't be with each other physically. Remember how much that sucked. Let's not create that world. Yeah. So that's part of the story that even if it's hard right now and stressful right now, that's my story that I can live with that. I'm hoping it maybe leads us in a better direction as the world. Yes. Yeah. Like, okay, you got the chance to live in like this new age, only talk through, you know, computers. What do you you really think about it? Right. Is that what, is that what you wanted was just to be on little devices all the time? Maybe not. Let's, Mm -hmm. let's take that. Right. So, and there's, and you know, pick whatever one you want, but it does does calm the stress down a lot when you can find that perspective. Yeah. And then the last one is just anything that has you present in the now. And somebody had posted a while ago that one of the things that was working for them is just to be focused on sort of what's in front of them right now. Mm -hmm. So this is the place where I'm not the one that's saying, go learn another language or write your book or, you know, put all that pressure on yourself. But if you can find a project that you genuinely like are excited about and like, pulls your focus and is something juicy that is genuinely interesting for you. You know, that thing that you get up in the morning and you think, Oh, I'm really looking forward to doing that. Could be cooking something. It could be crafts with your kids. It could be working on a new speech, Lindsay, whatever it is that genuinely has heart and meaning and resonance for you. Yeah. In present time, it's very, it's, that will calm your stress down. It's a way of sort of, I would call it like mindful work or meaningful work. Mm-hmm. I love that. So where you can kind of get lost in it. And um, I know on Sunday, I just had this craving to do like a bonfire. And we had, and one of my sweet neighbors saw me trying to do a bonfire the other day. And he's like, okay, kind of like dadded me, which was the sweetest thing. So we came over to the bonfire and made like this, the teepees with the sticks and everything. So it was like a perfect, all I had to do was light it. And it was like, God, you know, and I start, I started it at like three 30 in the afternoon, but then I was getting, I was so into it. And just all I'm doing is going around my yard, picking up sticks and throwing them in the fire. Four hours went by, but it was like the type of thing where it's like, it's so human to be around the elements, you know, to be around like moving water or fire or feel the wind on you. And I just thought, this is what I'm doing today. I just gave myself permission. I had to let go of, and oh, I'm going to get be productive later and clean the kitchen. And we're like, we're not cleaning the kitchen. We're going to buy this fire until well, we're I think, 
feel I not. think that goes to me to the sort of this other side of this paradox that on one hand, we really want to feel the feels right now because it will benefit every aspect of our mental and physical health to feel the feels and hopefully be met with compassion. On the other hand, and this is a, a yes and, anything that you can do that raises your mood will raise your will will balance your internal chemical state so the funny cat videos or dog videos if you're lindsay cat if you're me <laughs> the cute kids the you yeah. know anything that makes you laugh that that lightens you that delights you that just puts you in the present moment you can say instead of saying oh i'm you know wasting time you can say i'm doing an internal chemical cocktail balance right now yes and so don't ignore how you're feeling but you also want to seek out those things that do give you that feeling of uh, it's literally you're getting dopamine, serotonin, um, endorphins, all of those things. Anything that you can do will actually also strengthen your immune system so that if you are exposed because stupid guy comes over to fix your internet, you know, by, by doing that, you'll be more able to resist it if you do come across the virus. That's so, right. Yeah, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I remember when I was learning about grief, therapists would tell me, just touch it. Oh, that's grief. I know this. It's washing. It's washing over me right now. This is grief. Okay, yeah. I'm grieving. I'm sad or I'm angry. And taking that moment to let that wave wash through. And then when you've been in it long enough, part of self care is going. Okay, I need to move out of this. Yeah. I can't. I can't sit in this all day. But I'm acknowledging it. I feel it. I see it. And now I will do something to change my mood. And that I think that is the and the both and that you're talking about, right? Yeah. yeah. And I think that's an interesting, and it's sort of being aware of, did I tip too far into the feeling it where it starts to feel overwhelming yeah. or did I tip too far in the avoiding it where I'm not even aware of what I'm feeling. And that's part of the, the dance of this time. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Oh my gosh. We're out of time. I know. We're totally, we, that went so fast. I know. That was so fun. Yeah. I'm so glad that all of you were here. I know you have lots of questions. So, um, I don't know what we can do about that right now, but I'm glad that you asked them. Sam, was there one overall kind of question that came up or one theme that you can point to that Anne could just quickly address as we wrap up? Absolutely. Good question. Let's see. I think the sleep thing was the main component. Well, another one I think that yeah. probably a lot of people are dealing with is, so we said, you know, not a great time to make decisions when you're stressed, but if we're in this for the next two, three, four, however many months, we might have to make some decisions. So yep. how can we get ourselves yeah. in the decision-making state when we're... It's a, that is a really good question. And I will tell you my strategy for that. And I was, um, when I got on to today, I got to meet Sam for the first time. And I said, Lindsay, you're so cool. You have a team. <laughs> you know, yeah. But I, you know, I was thinking about, we had to make some decisions in my business. And one of the things I was aware of is that I was wanting to just sort of make these decisions out of fear. And so my best advice is slow it down, find trusted advisors who will be calmer maybe about your stuff because it's not their own worry. Yes. You yes. want to have people who are not, they may be freaked out about other things, but they might, and, and slow it down, check it out. You know, this is not the time to make hasty decisions. So, and get more brains involved. Mm -hmm. um, that's my best advice because I think we are not particularly well balanced and what might seem like a really good decision may just be a reaction out of fear and may not be the best decision. That's such good advice, Anne, seriously. Is there anything else that if you could tell the whole world, what would you tell them right now? If we could give you a megaphone to what tell would everybody. You say? Oh my God. I would say we, you know, we sink or swim together and that I am blown away by the goodness right now mm -hmm. and lean into that be good like be good be kind you know i i put out on social media a little while ago that that my big goals for this are not to write a book and are not to learn a new language my big goals for this time are to know is is to keep coming back to kindness is mm -hmm. to is to be kind and and that's taking all the energy i have yes. to do that 
but that is what the what will get us all through this is if we is if we lean into that and i think social media is full of great examples of the beauty of human beings and let's just build on that that's what my megaphone would say i love that i love that thank you so much thank for you it's, this was great. Thank you for sharing your people. And if some of my people yes. are there and our people, you know, it's great to thank you for hanging out tonight. Yes, absolutely. We have a recording of this, so we'll make sure some of you have been asking about that. I know um, I would listen to it five times over with Anne. Just, just listen to it again. Listen to it once a week on your walk. It'll help <laughs> you know how to regulate yourself. So thank you so much. And thank you everybody who came. Thanks. Yeah, right. you know where to find us. This is Anne's email, her website, mine. You know where to find me. And let's stay connected. That'd be great. Yeah, please reach out. All right, take care. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody.